<clears throat> I am delighted to be here, and this is really fun for me. Every time I tell the Christmas story and do this, I approach the text fresh, and it's always uh, is something new to me. Um, as, I, as I talk, I'm going to be going through and, and filling in the black line work on these underpaintings, and hopefully both the, uh, the paintings and the story will, will come into a little sharper focus as we go. Um, I'm going to start with... Well, I'm going to start with Mary, but before that, the, the theme I want, the way I want to look at this story is through the eyes of the angel who came to Mary, to Joseph, and to the shepherds and said two words. He said, fear not, or three words, don't be afraid. So I was thinking how perfect for these days that we live in and these last three years where we have seen fear not just wash over our country and our world, but be promoted, be cultivated. And if it's not fear of medical issues or fear of politics and things like that, it's fear of you have a different opinion about that than I do, and then it's a relational fear that gets in the way. And then you see financial fears and all of those things. And speaking to that, God says to us, the same thing that he says to these people here is not to fear. And I noticed some commonalities in these the three people that we're going to look at, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, is that he comes to each of them and he interrupts the course of their life. He interrupts them and he says, fear not. And then he says, you know, we've got something different in mind for you. And it was a startling thing for each of them. Let's start with Mary. She is a young girl, probably 15, maybe 17, 18, something like that. And she's living her day, and she's engaged to be married to Joseph. And she's thrilled. And so she is in the middle of her life, in the middle of her day, with her plans and her expectations and all of that and she is interrupted by an angel. It says it's the angel Gabriel. Now, usually, when people are interrupted by an angel, it is a terrifying sight, as is true with the shepherds, as we'll get to. But the text here doesn't say she's amazed at what he looks like. The text says that she is startled, confused, troubled by what he says. And what he says is this. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So the angel comes to her and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. And it would be easy for us to assume that he is meaning, Mary, I have looked through the whole world to find the perfect woman. Pretty, young, righteous, good, all that. 
And that's not what it means. What it means is, Mary, you upon whom grace has been poured out. And that changes everything. She's the recipient of grace. She's not the embodiment of grace. And so the angel comes to her and he says that. And she doesn't know what to make of it. She is greatly troubled. And wonders what in the world that means. And then the angel says to her, Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. And then he says something astounding. He says, you will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Listen to these great messianic proclamations that the angel is telling Mary. He says, you, Mary, are going to be with child, and you're going to give a birth to this child. And he goes on to describe this child. Look at what he says. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and be called son of the most high. Whoa, that's just not an average kid. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. That sounds like messianic stuff here. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary doesn't respond to that part of it. And Mary, her humanity is so precious because all she can get her head around is, wait a minute, I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. I'm not married. How can I be pregnant? She goes to just the human nature part of it. And the angel is so tender and says, answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And he begins to reorient her. And then to confirm that, the angel says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And Mary's thinking, yeah, I know Elizabeth. She always wanted to have a child, but she couldn't. And now she's too old. And the angel says, ah, but she's in her sixth month already. And she was thought to be barren. And then the angel says, for nothing is impossible with God. And so we see in Mary that God interrupts the expectations and the plans of her life. And he says to her, fear not. The troubling that that you feel inside, the the tension you feel, the back and forth, we do not know what that was about. It doesn't appear to be that she's afraid of the angel because she's she's troubled at what he said. What, What was it about that God being with her and grace being poured out on her was troubling to her? But the angel said, I'm with you. And so what happens to Mary is that her her life is interrupted. Her trajectory of her life is interrupted. Any invitations that she was on the way to the post office to mail out for her wedding kind of fell to the side. And she was on her new course. So God interrupted her life. He said, fear not. And he said, Mary, 
we're going on an adventure. Now, and then Mary responded, okay, count me in. Now, when I use that word adventure, it's easy to assume that word seems thin, like, oh, you're going to go to Adventureland at Disneyland and get on the Jungle Cruise ride. And that's not it, because there's nothing adventure about that Jungle Cruise ride. It's on a track. They know exactly when it's, it's going to leave and when it's going to get back. And the biggest adventure part is that you might get splashed by the waterfall a little bit. And that's not what a real adventure is. A real adventure will always have a risk involved. Always takes some measure of courage. A real adventure always involves the unknown. You're not certain what is going to happen or how. And that's the kind of real adventure that God is launching Mary on. Because when that angel left her, she didn't see another angel. She didn't get any more confirmation. This was the info that she got. And so the text says that she immediately packed up and took off to see Elizabeth, her relative who was now six months along. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months, so until Elizabeth's child was born. And I, I find that precious because here Mary is having this miracle happen inside of her that she can't explain. And she hears that Elizabeth is having a miracle inside of her that she doesn't have a human explanation for. And so miracle is attracted to miracle, and she goes to see her relative. But eventually she has to come back. And we do not know, and then she has a rugged conversation ahead of her because Mary is engaged to Joseph. And engagement in those days meant something very different than it means now. Nowadays, if someone's engaged and they want to call it off, you know, I've seen all the Hallmark movies. I know that, you know, it's, gee, I have to go your, you go your way and I'll go mine. I understand. In those days, to call off an engagement required divorce. And so Mary was engaged to Joseph, and at some point she has to go and tell Joseph what has happened. She approaches him, Joseph, I got to talk to you. Joseph, Mary, Joseph says, Mary, what's up? Gosh, you sound so serious. Well, it is. This is really important. Well, what is it? Joseph, I'm pregnant. Mary, we don't joke like that. That's not funny. No, I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'll kill him. I'll, I'll kill him. And you can imagine that, that sense of betrayal, that sense of what's going on. And Mary says, no, no, it's an angel. It's not an angel. It's a devil. I'm still going to kill him. No, Joseph. And she tries to explain, angel came to me and I, this... And Joseph doesn't believe her. Joseph had to feel so betrayed. If you've ever been betrayed, ever had someone betray you in the most profound way, it's a gut punch. And that's what Joseph felt. Joseph, the Bible calls him a righteous man. And he had a good reputation. And this was going to spoil everything. How, how, do you, how do you, and plus that whole personal betrayal, that's the biggest part of all. And Joseph, 
at the same time he felt so betrayed, he loved her so much that he didn't want to put her through shame. And so he decided to divorce her quietly to help her avoid that kind of shame and social stigma. And so he was planning to do that. In his pain, he still cared for her. And imagine what she was feeling. The man that you love doesn't even believe you. So now she's got to think about this huge thing happening within her with all the promise that goes with it. And now the, the man in her life doesn't believe her. And so Joseph in the night has a dream. And an angel comes to Joseph in his dream and says... Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because of what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Joseph to go back to seeing Mary and say, Mary, and she's thinking, you know, okay, he still doesn't believe me. And he says, no, I get it. An angel appeared to me. We're all good. The reconciliation that would have happened. But now, and so Joseph, his life was interrupted. But now he has a different attitude. He has a determined look, and he's saying, okay, we're going to head into this storm. And it would be a storm, because they're not married. And they're still living there in Nazareth as Mary's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so when Joseph's friend Levi comes along and says, Joseph, what's with Mary? She's looking a little plump there. And Joseph says, yeah, well, she's pregnant. And and." His friend would say, Joseph, what's, what's going on? And if Joseph tries to explain, his friend's not going to believe him. Joseph hardly believed it. And so what they had to walk through was now the, one of the most rugged parts of all. Because for months, they had to go through their lives with everybody knowing part of the story, but not the whole story. And for months, they had to endure people talking, all that. And then if that wasn't enough, as Mary's ready to give birth, there's the news that there's a tax coming, and everybody has to go to their home their, their ancestral home to be taxed. Census taken for the taxes. And so they have to pack up and head to Bethlehem, which is about 90 miles away. And she's nine months pregnant. Now, we have three kids, and if I said to Diane, hey, let's go on a camping trip for a week, and we're going to hike when you're nine months pregnant. I would get a hard no to that one. And 
And I am being kind here by putting Mary on a donkey because we just don't know if she was on a donkey or not. She may have had to hoof it the whole way. No pun intended. Um, and it makes me wonder on this journey if the storm clouds of doubt hit him. It would me. For months, I've heard no angels. For months, no other word of confirmation. And, and if this is supposed to be a king coming, if this is supposed to be royalty, if this is supposed to be glorious, it sure ain't looking that way. And then when they get to Bethlehem, there's not room for them with the relatives. Maybe relatives were helping them. Maybe the relatives uh, were there to um, be a midwife or something. But they're still stuck in a manger, in, in a stable. And so the, the baby is born. And they're put up in a stable. I can see Mary saying, Joseph, can you move that sheep? It just stinks. And... Joseph says, and, and he's got to feel, you know, what am I, it's, it's my job to, to protect this, this, this woman and this child, and how am I able to do that with, with this? All these situations are going poorly. And she gives birth to the Christ child and lays him in a feeding trough, which is precious symbolism that Jesus who would be later called the bread of life is laid to rest laid to to sleep here in a feeding trough and so we're gonna and I you know maybe they had all the faith in the world to think that yes this is part of God's plan but it would sure be easy for them to feel a sense of wondering, did we miss a step somewhere? Did God, did we miss a turnoff? Did we miss God's plan? Because if this, all this prophecy about him being great and his kingdom will never end, and this is sure, it doesn't fit my expectation of how this is going to be. So all of Joseph's plans, even for, for this, were interrupted. But meanwhile, we're going to leave them there for a minute, and we're going to go out into the hills nearby because there were some shepherds. And they were watching their sheep living in the fields. So not guys that would probably dress up pretty well. They're going to smell pretty bad because they're living there. They don't get to have their laundry done or take showers frequently. And these were most likely the sacrificial sheep that they were raising that were going to be used in temple sacrifices. Now, shepherds in those days were disregarded. Their, their testimony was not even valued in a court of law. That's how, that's how invisible they were. And so they're out there in the fields watching their 
sheep by night. And their entire world gets interrupted. Mary's was interrupted by an angel, and her plans were changed. Joseph's world was interrupted. And now these guys. Now, I didn't realize this until this morning. I'm not tall enough to paint that. So I'm going to put this down here for just a minute. Because in the middle of their every single day existence, day after day after day, this angel appears to them. And not a, there, there was no mistaking this, this angel. And it says, the glory of the Lord shone around him. How can I, in paint, come close to the glory of the Lord? I don't know if you guys have ever been driving and been lit up by a police helicopter. I have, and, it's, and I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and, and it was disorienting because you're driving along in the night and all of a sudden everything is completely bright around you. But I knew what that was. I could hear the whomp, 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 whomp of the helicopter up above. These guys had no prior knowledge. They had no way to know what was going on. And we, we think of angels so frequently as these, uh, you know, beautiful creatures with flowing wings and perfect hair and perfect skin and and all of that, and I'm guilty. I have drawn those angels on greeting cards, and I lied. So this angel appears to them, and, he's, and, and these guys are terrified. I love it how in the King James it says they were sore afraid. Now, I'm not quite sure exactly what sore means in the King James, but it's true that they were so afraid it hurt. That would be legitimate. Now, and the angel says, fear not, because today is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, he said that to Mary. You're going to be giving birth to the Messiah. He said it to Joseph. You're giving birth to this king. And God interrupts the life of these shepherds and says, I've got good news, and this is the king coming. And I love it how it says, this is for you, present tense, and it will be for everybody else. So what we see here is the God's best birth announcement given first and only to those who in that culture mattered the least. I was reading today and a, a, a friend of mine, Sally Lloyd-Jones, had talked about God who knows our name and the color of our eyes and the dreams of our hearts. 
and these guys who were unknowns and unseen in their culture, God says, I see you. And not only do I see you, you are the ones I want to bless with this. And this is only to the shepherds because it says next that the sky was filled with angels, with the heavenly hosts. Think of the song that says, and the sky ripped open and diamonds poured out and rubies, emeralds, and fire danced about, and angels with trumpets. It's something to see. And amazingly, all of it's only for me. Then the shepherds, the angels finally leave, and the shepherds are going, we got to go see what this thing is about. And they take off running to Bethlehem. Now, I find, it, I find it precious that the angel didn't say, it's in the first stable on the right when you get into town. So I'm imagining these shepherds running into the town of Bethlehem, which is crowded with people coming there for the taxes. And they're running through the town, knocking on the doors, saying, hey, is there a baby in your manger? You know, you know, get away, you know, because it's nighttime. Everybody's closed up. And finally, they find their way to this place. And you've got to remember what Joseph is feeling about this time. Here he's tried to provide for, for Mary. He's tried to do all that. And all he's gotten is a stable. Um, Men, if you could put a general rule to it, want to feel successful. And Joseph cannot have felt terribly successful at this moment, trying to provide for Mary. And so all of a sudden, out of the darkness, come these thundering shepherds, probably loud, and, and they come running up, and I can imagine Joseph saying, you know, stop right there, and he gets his staff out, and he says, one step further, and I'm going to clock you, and, and they are saying, no, 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 that's not it. Angels, we saw angels, and Mary says, you, you saw an angel? And Joseph said, an angel? And for the first time in nine months, Joseph has a sense of, and Mary have a sense of affirmation that they haven't missed the trail. They haven't taken a wrong turn. That God has still got them in his plan. Even after the interruptions that have happened and, and at every stage, God has said, fear not. And they've had to wrestle with that. And at each stage, God has said, we're going on an adventure and he said the same things to the shepherds because their life was never the same. And it's fascinating to me to think that the shepherds who no one valued their opinion, like in a court of law, but those were the people God chose to be the first evangelists. Now, I wouldn't have chosen that. I would have chosen someone with a good reputation that everybody would believe. But God says, no, I work differently than you, Steve. And so... 
Here we see in each of these scenarios where God interrupts a life, and in that interruption, he says, don't be afraid of that. Even though you're conflicted, even though you feel betrayed, even though the, your plans and the earth under you has shifted, even though you think that you're unseen, I've got an adventure for you. And I was thinking recently that each of those scenarios, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, were personal interruptions to their lives. But there was a bigger interruption happening. Because at the same time that this angel was celebrating this, I can imagine he had a sword because the God of the universe interrupted human history at this point. And he says, fear not, everything's different starting now. Because God himself took on human flesh in this story. And God himself interrupted the course of human events and said, I am going to come to earth. And yes, he is a king, but we expect a king to come and overpower. And he says, no, that's not how I'm doing this. And he came for the purpose of sacrificing himself on that cross to pay a debt that I could not pay. And then he rose from the dead, and in a way far more powerful than overpowering Rome or something like that, he overpowered sin and death. And truly, when you look at Christmas, that is the good news. Let's pray. And while I'm praying, the uh, musicians can come forward. Holy God, you do not work the way that we expect you to. You interrupt our times, our days, our lives frequently. You are a wild God. I cannot predict you. I certainly cannot box you or tame you or leash you or demand of you to do what I want. You are the interrupter. And at the same time, you tell me not to fear. At the same time that you interrupt me and my plans, you tell me that you have better plans. And you tell me that you see me. And you tell me that you have good news. God, I pray that, that this would not just be something I read about or think about or see at Christmas, I pray that this would seep into and color my whole soul. I thank you for all of this. And I thank you for these people here. In the name of Jesus, amen.